0: Amen. Well, that's our prayer, isn't it? We'll just see more of Jesus and get to know him better. That's why we're here today and uh, that's what we want to do. So we're going to turn uh, to the Bible in John uh, chapter 13 uh, as we're going back to John's gospel now. Uh, we've been studying at different times over the last couple of years and we're into the kind of final, the final phase. So I'm going to be starting on page 1081. As Lou said, welcome if this is your first time with us, it's uh, or you're back, or whatever. Um, if you're new, then you might uh, not know my name's John. I, I'm the lead pastor here and uh, I've got these two colleagues uh, Dan and Lou and others of us on the staff team all if you want to find out more about the church or if you're thinking of getting more involved or you'd like to find out about that then we we run a course called uh, discovering portswood uh, and uh, it, no we don't, it's called Exploring Course sportswood. it's coming up soon, um, and uh, get in touch with the office, if you want to have a chat with any of us really, our details are on the back of face-to-face, that's why we put them there, so do feel free to email or get in touch, we can meet for coffee or chat or whatever, pray for you, if that's what you'd like as well. Anyway, we're in John chapter 13 here, well we're going back to being with the 12 disciples of Jesus, in John's Gospel. Those 12 had been with him, with Jesus, for three years. They've been learning things with him. They've been doing things with him. Uh, and now it's Passover time, a big moment in the Jewish calendar, the actually most important of uh, religious festival for Jewish people. And they've shared the Jewish Passover meal on what we call the Last Supper. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, it, you know, Jesus has been, perhaps for them, they may have thought, well, he's been acting just a little differently. To start with, he'd, he'd washed their feet at the beginning of the meal, which was very unusual. And he'd made some important kind of observations about that. And during the meal, even more disturbingly, he's told them that one of them is going to betray him. Then he says something to Judas, which the rest either didn't quite hear or certainly didn't understand. And Judas had kind of left the table or left the circle of couches, which, you know, that's how they had these meals at that time in the Middle East, and and left like a man on some kind of a mission. And now there were 11 of them left. Um, Actually, Judas was never going to be a disciple again. And then Jesus Either maybe sits up or, you know, changes position or on on the the couch that he's talking at and and says something to get their attention. And he tells them two things. First thing he says in uh, chapter 13, verse 31, when he was gone, that's Judas, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Now, in, in kind of shorthand, this, this kind of message to the disciples is really, look, everything you've been waiting for, everything you've been wanting, everything you've been expecting about my being the king is about to happen, guys. And it's going to happen at once. <laughs> you can just imagine them you know, getting ready for the whoops and the high fives. And, but then he goes on to say something else. What does he say next? My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. Before they can even get the high fives up, he gives them this devastating news. I'm going now. I'm going to be leaving very soon. You're going to want to find me. You're going to want to come with me. But I'm sorry, you won't be able to. I'm going somewhere and you cannot come. He said, there's this unexpected journey ahead for me, says Jesus. An unexpected journey. Put yourself in their place. How would you feel if you were one of those disciples? Confused? Shocked? Perplexed? Well, how are we gonna, how are we gonna live then? What's gonna happen to us? You know, what's the last three years been all about? Is it all over? How how can he be glorified? How can everyone kind of know that he's the king that God has promised and then just go? I mean, what's all that about? You can imagine them thinking. What's going on? And for the next three chapters, Jesus has a long talk with his disciples. The next three chapters in John's gospel. We don't know how long it took, But I think there was probably more than just what John has recorded here. But he's got the main points. Because John, the writer of the gospel, was there, sitting right by Jesus. And he remembered it. And he brings it to us now. And Jesus, in this kind of talk, tells them something quite important. In this conversation, he's going to tell them how they're going to live in this next phase. What's it going to be like for them? How are they going to do it? He gives them a kind of briefing to tell them, to prepare them for what's coming next and a bigger view of what's going on, what they're about to go through. That's what a briefing is, isn't it? You know, it's kind of well, this is what you know mission you know mission, what this is what's coming next, or you know, you see these T V detective shows and they've got all the you know have the briefing each day. This is where we are, this is what we're gonna do. It's kind of a bit like that, isn't it? Jesus is telling the disciples that this is what's coming next This is how you're going to be living. And this is kind of why as well he's giving this bigger picture. Have you ever wished, you've ever, have you ever had this thought? I I sometimes had. I wish I could have been one of those eleven disciples (laughs) to have known Jesus, to have been with him, to have heard him speak, to have seen him do all the stuff that he did. You know, to see and know and, and love him as the person that I would got to know as my friend, the one kind of in front of me, sharing my life. Have you ever uh, thought that would be great? Sometimes we think that because we know, of course, it's impossible. We live in a different way. Well, you know what? The way we live now is going to be the way the disciples had to live from about, the end of the next weekend after Jesus has been speaking to them within three days they were going to live with him the way we do and he's getting them ready for that so maybe what he says to them has got quite a lot to say to us about what how we're to live for him that's what we're thinking how to live as Jesus disciples how do we live as Jesus followers the briefing is for us How are we going to live in the world as it is? In the light of who he is and what he's done. Let's read the rest of it from verse 34 then. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ever ask the question, how am I supposed to live this Christian life then? You know, unexpected things happen. Tough situations. Perhaps Jesus doesn't quite do things in the way that we'd expect, rather like with these disciples here. You know, I've I've been in situations uh, even recently when, as I've I've gone to bed at night, I've just said to the Lord, "Lord, I just don't know what to do with this. I'm just at a loss. I just don't know. I just don't know what to do now. Don't know how to live this life. How am I going to do it?" And I maybe then think, why can't I be like one of those early disciples who, you know, they'd only have to ask you. You'd answer their questions. And then I realized that they only had that for three years. (laughs) And most of the time they were confused anyway. (laughs) So uh, that kind of is some help. But you see, Jesus' briefing is there to help us to know how to live in the world as it is. Now he's gone in one sense. As we shall see, that's not quite the whole picture. But he's not with us in the same way that he was then with them. And as he starts this briefing, and we're only kind of beginning it today, there are four truths to grab. And these four things are going to come back all through the briefing. They'll come back time and time again. And here's the first thing. The first thing is we need to love one another. See, straight after he tells them he's going, see what he says? He says, straight after, I'm going and you've got to love one another. There in chapter 13. He assumes, you see, that they are going to remain together. He is going, but they are to stay together. They are to love each other. They're not to split up and kind of, oh, well, that was interesting. It was good to have met Jesus. Nice to have known him. Yeah, he sure made an impact on our lives, but that's it. No, he's saying, yeah, I'm, I want you to be together. I want you to stay together. And to love each other. And he said you're to love each other in a particular way. He says you're to love one another as I have loved you. They're to love each other. We're to love each other as Jesus has loved us. And so far they would seen just a little bit of of that. They're going to see a lot more uh, later by the time you get to Sunday morning after this weekend. Boy they will have known how much Jesus loved them. But already he's given them glimpses of that. In his teaching, the way he served them, why he washed their feet. That was an illustration of it. The way he looked after them, he spoke truth to them, he prayed for them, he reassured them, he warned them. So they're not to become a bunch of individuals, they're to stay together. Why he said, why should they? Well, verse 33, it says, my children, they're family, they belong together. And this is going to come up several times in the briefing. It's a really key point. We need this, don't we? How are we going to be disciples in the world? We need to love one another. To be aware of Jesus' love for you, how he loves you, get hold of that. Begin to understand it, although we can only just paddle in the shallows of it, but through your life you get to know how much God loves you. Some of the people in their nineties, like John on the back and Iris and others, will be able to testify for decades they've been learning more and more just how much They're loved by Jesus. We learn that through life. And then Jesus said, don't just learn it. Don't just understand how I love you. Live that way with each other as well. You see, Jesus is saying, love in Christian community really matters. This briefing follows a meal together. And at that meal together, Jesus brings in something that we now call communion, which is at the heart of what they're to do as they gather in his name. It's a meal. What? When, where do you have meal? With friends, with family, with people you love, with people you care about. Love one another. And then after the meal, they go on a walk. As they often did, they walked to the Mount of Olives. And they have a kind of sleep out, a camp out, uh, as they often did. In the Olive Grove, And on this particular night, it's interrupted by Judas with a bunch of soldiers who come to arrest Jesus. It's life, it's love together, it's family, it's community. Do I realize how much I need my Christian family? Do you realize that? Your house group, time with friends who are believers praying for one another loving like Jesus did we do this together and we do it says Jesus in front of everyone else in fact everyone else it says everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another and we'll see also through the briefing there's this outside perspective he wants everyone to know about him and one way is as it flows out from Christian communities who really love one another So first thing then, we need to love one another. Second thing in verses 36 to 38, we need to know it's going to be tough. See, Peter starts asking Jesus, doesn't he? He So where are you going, Jesus? I want to come too. He thinks he knows better than Jesus. Uh, Peter often did that, and sometimes so do we. He says, "I yeah, I can come. I'll come and die. He, it seems like Peter's got a glimpse of what Jesus means by I'm going. He's obviously got the idea that Jesus is going to his death. Peter he says, hey, Jesus, that's cool. I'll come with you. I'll come and die too. That's all right. You've got me, Jesus. It'll be okay. Jesus says, Peter, you don't realize. Tonight, you're going to deny me. You're just going to say you never knew me. But it's not a terrible put down because Jesus reassures him. He says, you can't follow now, but you will follow later on. After tonight, Peter, that's not the end. Don't worry. I've got you. You'll be okay. Maybe it's here. We don't know. But in Luke's gospel, Peter uh, says this, makes this comment in Luke's account, I think probably a bit earlier in the meal. And Jesus says to him, says the same warning. And he then goes on to say, Peter, I've prayed for you. That your faith isn't gonna fail. And after you've returned, come and strengthen your brothers. So it might be that it was here that Jesus said that, or it could be that Jesus said it twice to Peter. I mean, let's face it, what we know about Peter, he probably might not have grasped it the first time. Do you think? It's like me. Like you. So the disciples have to realize that Jesus' unexpected journey and the journey that we will follow him on later is going to be demanding and it's going to be tough. Jesus is going to say a lot more about that in the briefing later on as well. And we need to hear this, don't we? I know some of some of us will know, uh, some of you, I know because uh, you've shared it with me and uh, I know others of you have shared in your groups. Lots of us are going through some really tough things this week. Well, Jesus is saying, don't be shaken by the tough things in our lives when they come. Hold on under pressure. Like Peter, he says, afterwards you will be with me. Even if you fail, even if you're overwhelmed, I've still got you. So part of our love for one another is to pray for one another. And to be honest and realistic. Living as a disciple can be hard. Can be costly. It's not going to easy. And we come alongside one another. When we're going through tough circumstances. That's when we need one another. So that when I can't pray for myself. You can pray for me. It's what love in the Christian community is about. We need to realize as we live as Jesus' disciples, that it will be tough. And then the third thing Jesus says is that we need to believe in him, we need to trust him for his journey, for the journey that he's on. And we get that in verses chapter 14, verses 1 to 11. See, the disciples are troubled. He says that twice, and the word troubled there is a very strong word. It's actually, that passage that Lou, uh, Lou read earlier, well, I got quite excited when I saw John 12, because a little earlier in that passage, Jesus talks about the cross and what's going to happen. And he says, my heart, my soul is troubled. <laughs> he says, I don't know what to say to God. I don't know where to say, God, save me from this hour that's coming on me, or, or what to say. And God speaks, and uh, it was all in John 12, from verse 23 onwards. It's the same word, I'm troubled, I'm, I'm struggling. And Jesus says, I know you're troubled by what I've said. But he says, don't let that be the last word. He tells them to believe, to trust him, to have faith. The word believe is the same word that we have for faith. And what is that? It's faith that hears the truth, believes that truth and acts upon it and trusts yourself to it. Trust yourself to the one who who, who is the truth, Jesus just as we do when we become believers when we first put our faith in Christ we hear the truth we know that what he's done for us we know that we need his forgiveness his salvation but we just we have to act on it like when you sit down in the chair you trust the chair is going to hold you up you sit in it that's faith and Jesus is saying, we need to trust Him. So, what are we to trust Him for? Two things, He says. Trust Me for what I'm going to do for you. We need to trust Him for what He does for us. See, uh, several times in verses uh, five and uh, sorry, in, in those early verses, verses one following there, He tells them it's for you. He said, I'm going on this journey. And actually this journey is going to be to to the cross of Calvary and beyond. He says, it's for you. I'm going to a place and I'm preparing a place that after that journey's over and your journey's over, you're going to be with me. It's for you, he says. You're going to be with me where I am. And it's this big picture that he he refers to in, in verse 31 when he talked about being glorified. He is going to be really seen as the king, the Christ, the one God has sent, bringing about God's plans to rescue and to save, the fulfillment of all of those things. He is God sent king jesus is saying and that's my journey that journey is how i'm becoming king actually he says i'm the one i'm being glorified as the fulfillment of the whole of god's story from creation onwards up until the point we're in in the gospels and well beyond and he says all of this my whole part in this is for you to his disciples They are part of it. They're tied to it because they're tied to Jesus. The reason Jesus is going to bring it all to completion is for them. And in this journey, he will be seen as God's king. Because the journey is the cross, the journey is the resurrection, and beyond. For you, says Jesus. And we live as disciples tied to that truth. We're roped to it like a life belt. Around us. Because he's committed to us. He's done this for us. He is the king who went to the cross. And to the resurrection. And is the ascended one at God's right hand. For us. He's our king. He's committed to us. As we saw last week. And we're committed to him. So we worship him. We celebrate what he's done in communion. And other times. We get baptized as a symbol of our connection. With Jesus as our king. Everything we do is connected to Him as the one who is God's King and who rose and, uh, uh who, sorry, and who died and rose again. We trust Him for what He does for us. And we don't lose that. It's how we live in this world, holding on to that. But we also trust Him for who He is, Jesus says. Thomas has this question. Thomas, I like Thomas. He's he's called Doubting Thomas, but I just think he's Honest Thomas. You know, he's the one who says what a bit like Peter, what everyone else is thinking. I think I'd be thinking this. Jesus, Thomas kind of says, "We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way?" It's like Thomas says, "Jesus, if you just give me the postcode, I'll put it in my phone, and then I'll know how to get there. Yeah, just tell me where it is, and, and that'll be fine." Well, Jesus uh, answers that. It's interesting, isn't it? He says, you don't need that. You've got me. I was in Pakistan once in my old job. And uh, I won't go to the long detail because that will take too much time. But basically, I I was in a place called Gujaranwala, which is a bit of a... Well, anyway, it's, it's a... Those that live there love it. It's a great place to live, I'm sure. But anyway, I was there. Nobody spoke English. I'm sitting outside a railway station and uh, I'm, I need to make a phone call. This is before there were any mobile phones in, in kind of... Well, they were like the size of a brick. I wouldn't have been able to check it in on the plane if I'd had one on that occasion. Anyway, there I was. And um, I needed a phone. I couldn't find one. I didn't know what to do. And there I knew that it, I, I could wander off down into these streets in Gudrunwalla, But all the shops were shut um, because it was Eid, the Festival of Eid. And I thought, what am I going to do? Anyway, I sat there. But and, uh, at some point, I thought, well, I'm going to have to do something after about an hour. Nobody came. they were supposed to come and meet me, but nobody came. And uh, so I just crossed the road, and I bumped into a guy, an old Pakistani man. who said in perfect English, uh, which was a miracle in itself, are you okay? Can I help you? I said, yeah, I need a phone. Uh, He said, oh, I'll show you. He said, there's a, there's a government office just around the corner. I think and he took me around the corner under, under a rather gloomy bridge, up some stairs in the building, into the, and there on the, there was a man in a uniform, on a desk, and on the desk was a box, and in the box, uh, was a phone. The thing is, uh, you know, he could, he, he, I, that, he was just what I needed. He said, you know, he didn't say, look, go around the corner, no, find the government office, up the stairs, you know, there's a box on that desk, the phone's in the box. No, he said, I'll take you. Just come with me it'll be fine. And it was. It was I don't know where he might have been an angel actually. It was just an amazing experience. Uh, but that's a, uh see that's what Jesus is saying here. I can take you. I won't show you the way. He says, "I'll take you there." Because I am the way," says Jesus, "I am the truth about God. I am the life from God. You will come to the Father because I'll take you there. In fact, says Jesus, there's no other way that anyone can come to him unless I take them there. Unless they come with me. And Philip then goes on to say. Well show us the father. That's an understandable question as well. Moses asked the same thing back in Exodus. What does Jesus say? He says, look Philip. I am in the father. The father is in me. If you've seen me you've seen the father. He says to Philip. If this is a bit hard for you to get your head around. Well look at what I say. Where do these words of truth I speak come from? Look at what I do. Look at what the father does through me. He actually says, open your eyes. Don't be short-sighted, Philip. He, he kind of says what we've just sung. Open your eyes. Think about what you've seen. Who am I? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's a pretty strong claim, isn't it? Or he says, look at the evidence. Look at what you've lived with, Philip, just in John's gospel. You've seen Lazarus raised from the dead. You've seen 5,000 people fed like Moses fed them in the wilderness. You've seen the, the storm stilled. You've seen demons come out of people. You've seen blind people uh, healed. You've seen wine, water rather, turned into a completely different substance, wine. Philip, open your eyes. What do you think that is saying about the one who's done those things? Jesus says, this is evidence of who I am. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus tells the eleven, listening to him, I'm the promised king. And we look at the same evidence. We see that. We believe that. We trust him. We trust him for that. And that night, his journey began. He goes to the cross. He goes to the resurrection. The disciples will follow him. They won't go exactly the same way, but after his cross, his resurrection, so then begins the whole reboot and the renewal of the whole of creation. It starts then. And the disciples are going to be part of that. And, And when they die, they're going to be with him. Their journey begins with him. The briefing will give us much more about that, about how we live on the way. On our own unexpected journey, if you can 't wait uh, back in the summer, Paul Robinson preached a great message uh, called "The Unexpected Journey." You can find it on the website and there 's a bit more practical stuff about how we live on that journey that with him, uh, and there 's much more in the briefing to come as well. We believe Jesus, we trust him for the journey he 's on and for who he is. We need to grab and hold on to that. We come to the Father. We come to God through him. He is the way, the truth, the life. Try and experiment. Pray this. Maybe every day this week or whenever. At least one day, maybe tomorrow. Pray this. Lord Jesus, in my life today, I want to know you and see you working with me as the way, as the truth, as the life. But there's one thing more, Jesus says, and we must go on. He says, not only are you to trust him uh, for, for the journey he's on, we need to live with him on that journey. You see, the disciples, uh, I get a surprise, really, verses 12 to 14, right at the end there. You see, it's not that, and it's a bit of a surprise maybe for us, it's not that we, we live trusting Jesus, we live uh, believing in him, we live being loving disciples in a tough world. While, it's not like we do that while he's getting on getting on with important stuff elsewhere kind of thing. No. You see, because Jesus is going to the Father, he said, because this is the journey... Because he's on the way to the cross, to the resurrection, uh, to becoming the king who will start to reboot the whole of creation. Because of that, our journey is, it says, to do greater works than he did. What's that about? But it's saying that Jesus' journey changes everything. Look, it says here, you see, you will do greater works. Why? Verse 12. Because I am going to the Father. He is about to smash the power of evil. He's about to start the end game, if you like. He's on his way to coronation. And once that happens, that's the other side of what we call the ascension, there are going to be greater works. And that doesn't mean there's just going to be more of them because the church is big. Nor is it going to be that they're going to be more powerful. They can't get much more powerful than raising people from the dead and turning water into wine and all of that. It doesn't mean they're going to be greater in that sense, Surely. Actually, uh, experts tell us if, if John wanted to say that in Greek, it would be, he had a very plain way of doing it. Now Jesus is saying these are greater works in a different way. Why? Because they flow out of Jesus' kingly glory as the Christ. And as King, He does greater works through us, it says, through disciples. Jesus intervenes and he changes things. He will do that through his disciples, disciples like us. He says, if you look at it, he says, you will do greater works. And then he says, I will do it. He says, if you ask the Father, he will do it. And, And there's glory kind of, you know, God is known to be king. Jesus is seen as the king in those works. And what are those works? How do we do those works? Well, it says, as you pray, as you ask him in his name. In His name, His name as the King, crowned, beaten Satan. We can ask Him to do things. In His name, can I tell you another uh, Asia story? I was in Bangladesh once, and uh, that was quite an interesting experience. Um, I, I was going on a, an internal flight from uh, Dhaka to Kathmandu, and I was going. It wasn't. It was international, but it was on the uh, Bangladesh National Airline. B-Man, Andrew Rose would know, B-Man's not one necessary to recommend, although it's unique in all the airlines that fly out of Heathrow because you can take about 40 kilos of luggage, Uh, I think. It's got a massive luggage allowance, but apart from that, it's not an airline to recommend. But anyway, uh, at the, uh, it certainly wasn't in those days. But at that time, um, I had to go... In, and those were the old days with paper tickets. I had to go and confirm my ticket in the local Beeman office in the area of Dhaka where I was staying. And uh, I, so I, I met this guy. He was a, a senior guy. He was an American bloke. He'd lived in Bangladesh like forever, knew lost people, blah, 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 blah. He said, uh, when you go and confirm your ticket, if you mention my name, that'll be okay. Well, I went to the little office and there there was loads of guys working there. And and I went in and I didn't, I don't know why I didn't do that. I just stood there and said, oh, I've come to confirm my ticket. Well, it, you know they did nothing happened you know stood around and watched and, da, 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 and, and so they said, oh, we're sorry we can't you know we can't we can't help you and sorry we you know you can't you can't do that here you'll have to do it here or there or whatever at the airport so rather disgruntledly I thought oh well I better go out so outside was uh, another guy who who um, had heard this previous conversation with this guy called Ed and uh, this other guy was called Steve and he I told Steve what had happened he said did you mention Ed's name I said i said no what he said go back in and say ed scott So, so i went back in Said hello. i said i know you said i said but actually um ed scott thought it would be and at the moment i said ed scott there were like six people all working they all stopped working and came to came to the counter and started to help me with my confirming the ticket in his name i just had to mention his name and Everything was different. Now that's not to say we pray in the name of Jesus like some magic kind of way of getting everything done. But but it's that same idea. We pray because he's our king. We we ask God. We, we come. Sometimes in spiritual war, warfare we have to rebu- rebuke evil in different ways. Sometimes it's in prayer. Sometimes in, in active action that we have to take. But we do that in Jesus' name because he's the king. And he's promised to do greater works in his name because he's king. So are you going to live with Jesus on your journey this week? You know how he was made king? You know how he was glorified? At the cross. John twelve twenty three talks about it. He's on this journey to the cross. And he says there, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and he starts talking about how he's going to be lifted up, which was a phrase for the cross. That's why when Jesus starts it all off, I sorry when Judas starts it all off, Jesus says it started. I'm going to be glorified now. It's happening. The cross marks Jesus' unexpected journey. His journey goes into isolation from God as he bears the sin of the world. And the cross begins our unexpected journey home to relationship with God. Cross is at the center. Not the actual cross, but what Jesus did on the cross is at the center of it. You see, in the cross, we see how much Jesus loves us. We see the shape of what our love should be for one another in the cross we realize that the journey is going to be tough it's tough for jesus but we also see that because of that he's in it with us too he shares in our suffering in the cross we see the reason why we can trust him as the way the truth and the life it comes from the cross and from what jesus did there And in the cross we see how it's going to continue. We see how we live with him on that journey. Because he is lifted up and he starts to draw all people, all kinds of people, all nations to himself. And we're part of that too as we live as his disciples. Doing the greater works as we ask him. Let's live with Jesus the King for his glory. Amen.